Welcome in to Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. And let's get right into it. Uh, we got NBA playoffs starting this weekend. Bryce Young is now the favorite, according to DraftKings, to be the number one overall pick. We got a couple other stories to talk about. Let's start off talking about the NBA playoffs because they start this weekend. There are a couple really good series. Obviously, I think the headline series, in my opinion, is the Grizzlies and the Lakers. There's a lot of different faucets. There's a lot of different storyline. Dylan Brooks talking trash. LeBron listing everything off about the Grizzlies in a post-game conference. And that series is going to be great. Something that nobody, I think, is touching on with LeBron is that these playoffs right here mark a very important potential blemish or a very important championship to add to his resume. But whatever happens, it is going to be very important to the greatest of all time debate. Now listen, you know I don't put much effort or conversation into that on this podcast because honestly, it doesn't really matter. Whoever you have as your greatest of all time, you probably already have them there. But I do feel that with LeBron, everyone kind of knows right now whether you are a LeBron supporter or a Michael supporter that anyone would admit that the popular vote leans towards Michael being the GOAT. And that's fine. I don't really have a problem with that. But if LeBron ever wants to sway it the other way, and we all know deep down he does, and we all know it does matter to a point, then he's probably going to have to win another championship in his career. And it's not going to happen outside of this year because he's 38 years old. And the reason why that is important is because not only if he does not win a championship this year, he's probably not going to win another one and he'll be stuck at that four rings position, but he'll also have another loss in the Western Conference. Or if he somehow gets out of the West, he'll have another loss in the finals. And you say, well, that's not fair. We're punishing him for getting to the finals and losing. Again, I'm not saying that it's fair or not fair. I'm just saying that's what I think the narrative is going to be. And I understand right now that context matters. And we all understand LeBron is 38, and we all understand that Anthony Davis gets hurt a lot, and we all understand that the West is extremely hard to win in, and that this team probably is not the team that you're going to take to the championship, and you're probably not going to win the finals with this team. We all understand that right now. But 5, 10 years ago, when you're looking back on it, it's like, wow, LeBron gets to the West, and when he doesn't have months off and when he doesn't get to play in the bubble, he loses in the first round, and however he loses, if he loses this year, he loses in one of the rounds in the Western Conference or he loses in the finals again. Either way, it doesn't look good for his reputation. It really doesn't, and again, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying that it's even fair, but that's just what the narrative is going to be. And so they fought so hard to get into the playoffs. And this is what was bothering about this conversation in the first place. Is that everyone was like, wow, the Lakers, they're going to make the playoffs. And it's impressive. And they certainly did not look like they were going to be in the position to do so. But 
do we think that they're just going to make the playoffs and be able to turn on some sort of magical switch and be able to beat all these great teams? If you somehow beat John Morant, you got to face Steph Curry. If you somehow beat Steph Curry, you probably got to face either the Joker or Kevin Durant. If you somehow beat either of those two guys, you have to face Giannis or Jason Tatum in the finals. Do we really see them doing that? Is that really something that is more than likely going to happen? LeBron is already, according to Vegas, not favored. The Lakers are not favored in the first round against Memphis. People are picking up against Memphis as if it's a given. Memphis has legitimate stars and legitimate players. And no matter how you feel about Dylan Brooks' trash talk and John Morant's off-the-court stuff, they can play basketball. And they get more home games in this series. And they get to be the young guys and push the pace and play in a track meet. And they get to do so against a LeBron Laker team that is old and injury-prone. Like, it's not a given. And I'm not saying that the Lakers can't beat them or or it's improbable, but even if they beat them, I would bet that it would take at least six to seven games. And like I just said, an old and injury-prone team, that's to play that many games in an opening series. Do they have the depth to do that all the way throughout the playoffs? When even if you get through Memphis, like I said before, you have to get through all those other stars. And another thing that's not being touched on is not only the fact that if the Lakers lose or LeBron LeBron in particular loses, does that hurt his reputation because he loses in the playoffs again in the Western round? It also hurts his reputation because of who he is going to be losing to. If you lose to Memphis, they're like, oh, the cocky young team bounced LeBron out of the playoffs. If you lose to Steph Curry, oh, LeBron lost to Steph Curry again. If you lose to Kevin Durant, oh, is Kevin Durant really the best player in the world? If you lose to Giannis... In the finals, LeBron loses again in the finals. It's not just about the fact that he's losing. It's who he will be potentially losing to. And again, I'm not saying I agree with those narratives or that it's fair or whatever. But that's just what it's going to be. And nobody is really talking about that. And it's going to happen. The only way, the only way LeBron, in my opinion, can help his debate as greatest of all time this year in particular, is to win the NBA Finals. And I, I just, I don't see it happening. And people are just saying, because the Lakers, like, oh, they get to playoffs, they're going to turn on. It's, that doesn't happen. There isn't some magical switch that you can just turn on because it's the playoffs and be like, well, we're the Lakers. I, I, I don't see it happening. I think it's really unlikely. But that is just my opinion on it. And maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. All right, let's go to uh, the NFL because there is the odds earlier this week shifted back to Bryce Young, corner DraftKings, to be the number one overall pick. Now, the reason why these odds are shifting, at least in my opinion, is because I don't think there's a quarterback that you look to and you're like, yep, he is just head and shoulders above the other one. I think they're all very talented. I saw a report out there today that Anthony Richardson is not out of the mix for number one overall pick. Every single one of these quarterbacks, at least if we stick to the top three for most people, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, have qualities that make you that, that make you be like, yeah, I would totally take him with the number one overall pick. 
but they also have qualities that you don't love as much. Anthony Richardson is extremely raw and inexperienced. That If you're spending a number one overall pick, that makes you cringe a little bit. Bryce Young is super small in the NFL. In, he's going to the NFL, and he's under six foot. I think that's really important. C.J. Stroud, as great as he is, as accurate as he is, sometimes he doesn't use his feet. Now, he did in the Georgia game, but that wasn't the total sample size that we got. So you don't know necessarily what you're getting. I like all of them. But what really has driven me insane over the couple of months of draft talk and since these players have been declaring and the NFL Combine is that people are acting like, you know, if you whiff on a on a number one overall pick, it's no big deal. It's like, I don't know where they got that from, but I think it absolutely is a big deal to whiff on the number one overall pick. And people are like, well, teams do it all the time. And they're fine. It's like, no, no, no. That, the first part is true. The second part is not true. Now, there are teams that can do that and be fine. But the teams that whiff on their first round picks, like, okay, again, I am not going to call Trey Lance a bust because we haven't seen we haven't seen him play. And I'm not going to call Jordan Love a bust because we haven't seen him play. We don't know if they can play or they can't because they haven't been on the field yet. But let's just say, for the sake of argument that they are, I'm not saying they are, but just for the sake of argument. Yeah, it's fine for the Packers and it's fine for the 49ers who are both really proud winning organizations who have made the NFC Championship and Super Bowls in the past decade, who have great history with great players with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and Jerry Rice and Steve Young and Joe Montana. For those organizations, yeah, you can survive with a draft pick because you still have the brand, you still have the players, you still have the coach where you can attract free agents to those teams. And you can hit in later rounds. For a team like Carolina, who as of this moment, who traded up to get the number one overall pick. It's very important that they hit on this pick. It's very important that whoever they pick is not a bust. And again, I don't think that any of these guys necessarily will be a bust when you put them in the right system. But if you select Bryce Young and all offseason... After the draft, you have to answer questions in camp about the size concerns and, and, and reporters asking your GM and your coach, well, did the size bother you? And you say, no, it didn't bother us. And then week three or four, he gets hit hard and he's out for a few weeks. All of a sudden, it looks bad on your organization. It just does. It looks bad. Because then it's like, oh, they were too smart to listen to size concerns. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to Bryce Young. But I'm saying these are things that you have to think about when running a multi-billionaire organization. You're giving the keys to your organization to one of these players. And whether they're a bust because of their work ethic, whether they're a bust because of their inexperience, whether they're a bust because of their size, whatever the reason they could be a bust, if you hear concerns about that pre-draft and then you draft them knowing those concerns and you go all offseason defending the pick and be like, look, we're not concerned about Bryce Young's size. 
We're not concerned about Anthony Richardson's inexperience. And then it shows in the season, Bryce Young gets hurt, Anthony Richardson throws three picks in a game. If that happens, it is it is unbelievably a bad look for the organization. And so I like all these guys. But people act as if those are things that you don't have to think about. And it absolutely is. People are like, well, I mean, if you love the prospect, you could, you should take him. And I don't disagree with that. But it does, it is going to weigh on your mind a little bit about, about all offseason answering questions about it. And so Bryce Young has shifted back, according to DraftKings, to be the number one overpick. And that's fine. And I, I said, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback. I would take him. But the Panthers also know if they take him. All offseason, they get questions about it. And I just, I, I'm not saying that, that it's going to completely determine their decision, but it is something that factors in. And there is no prospect in this draft that everybody's like, oh, he's better than this guy. He's head and shoulders above the rest. So whoever they go with, they know that in their mind, obviously. And I think that's why these odds are shifting so much. All right, one other NFL story here. The Arizona Cardinals, I was looking at this, and it was kind of baffling to me, are tied with the Houston Texans with the worst odds in the NFL to win the Super Bowl next year. The reason why that is baffling to me is not because I disagree with Vegas, it's because this is an Arizona Cardinals team that a year ago you felt like they were figuring it out. They got the quarterback. They got DeAndre Hopkins. They got J.J. Watt of free agency. A year later, and it felt also like the coach gelled well with the quarterback. It was an offensive mastermind. And a year later, the coach is now a quarterback's coach at USC. Kyler Murray, who you guys know I love, but he does have issues. He does get hurt a lot. And now you paid him all sorts of money. J.J. Watt is retired. And DeAndre Hopkins appears to be out the door. And it's just so weird to me how this thing fell apart. And this was a perfect example. And I, by the way, I absolutely fell for this and whipped on a hard two years in a row. The COVID year and last year, I predicted that the Cardinals were going to go far and they, and they just weren't that team. They, they were 7-0, 10-0. They were really good each year, but they just weren't, they, they just couldn't get together. And now I think this is a good example for me, at least because I whiffed on it, that Talent, you can you can mix and bundle a bunch of talent together, and it will give you flashes and spurts of tremendous play, like when Kyler Murray threw that hail mary to DeAndre Hopkins. It was like wow, that was phenomenal. It, it it will give you spurts like that, but long term success and winning is not going to happen if you don't have the combination of talent and culture. And the Arizona Cardinals don't have culture. 
I I don't necessarily know why that is. They brought in J.J. Watt. I think they thought that would help with the culture. And I believe it did for a short period of time. But this is what... And this is this is not... I don't like to do this because you guys know I love Kyler Murray. I think he's as unique of a talent at the quarterback position that we've ever seen. But... This is what drives me crazy sometimes about certain modern-day athletes, which is the fact that they don't seem to grasp that their job is not just playing the sport they do well. And I'm not saying that Kyler Murray doesn't understand that. Or I'm not necessarily calling out a particular athlete. But the reason why we see things like the Brooklyn Nets and the Arizona Cardinals implode is because of what I just said, in my opinion. The quarterback, the point guard, whatever position it is, is more than just on the field, on the court, playing good. It's how you handle yourself off the court. It's how you off the field. It's how you handle yourself to your teammates. It's how your body language looks. It's how it's how you handle yourself at the podium after games. And it's not. I'm not saying that it's fun or that that's even necessarily the be all end all of it. But it certainly plays a critical role. And nobody really wants to talk about that. Let me put it this way: nobody thinks it's important. Maybe there are a bunch of people out there that, not maybe, there are. There are a lot of people out there that think it's important, but nobody necessarily thinks it's important enough to to criticize someone for. And if it's a growing issue and it's causing problems with teams and you're like, well, wait a second, the talent's there, why aren't they putting it together? Then maybe it is something that needs to be addressed by the team. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Red Zone Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Red Zone Radio.